Welcome to Inner Skin Podcast. My name is Sophie Kawanari, and today I'm happy to introduce Samira Larussi, the ordinary based editor, writer, and creative consultant. So, thanks, Samira, for being my guest for Inner Skin Podcast. You're welcome. I'm happy to be here. So, let's start with the first question. So, when was the first time you became aware of how others may see you? Hmm, I think. My earliest memory of, I guess, being aware of how people view me, mm-hmm. I think was when I was in swimming lessons at school, when oh. I was probably around five or six. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the first swimming lesson I went to, I always kind of, I guess, assimilated. Yeah. Uh, my, my family aren't from here. They're from Morocco, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm completely white passing. So, yeah. you know, to most people, when my hair is straight or is tied up, they just yeah. think, oh, well, like, I'm just like an English person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I think when I went swimming with uh, my classmates and my hair got wet for the first mm-hmm. time in front of people at school mm-hmm. and my hair went to its normal size, everyone yeah. was like, Oh, and I kind of, it's the first time that I realized, oh, I, my looks are kind of different to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also realized that, you know, there were certain things that I had obviously been hiding, like my hair, like I'd been hiding it. I always used to wear my hair tied back or in uh, braids. Yeah. And I realized like, oh, like the way people see me isn't the same way I see myself. Yeah. And that gave me this idea of there being two identities, I think. Mm-hmm. So okay. I'd say that was the first time. And was that painful or you just feel like, okay, I'm not like, like them? And... I mean, it was painful for sure because where I grew up was like um, a very white suburban town mm-hmm. uh, oh. where our, fa- like a beach town and our family were like the only foreign family. Okay. So it was like, uh, you know, our name was always a dead giveaway, but I think that the, the physical aspects I had never really noticed Mm-hmm. Um, my brothers and sisters are much darker than me, so they mm-hmm. they didn't. They had people knew straight away like you're from yeah. somewhere else. Um, but with me, I think I assimilated quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had, you know, you learn to kind of curate yourself. You know, I always associated uh, ideas of beauty with being more like everyone else. You know, like trying not in terms of your style or any of those things, but like your physical appearance. Yes. Mm-hmm to look like everyone else mm-hmm. uh, especially when you're that young I mean when you're young I just used to be like why is my hair like this like why why I don't understand <laughs> why I can't have straight hair and I'd be like I remember like being so upset and being like mm. why is my hair this curly like I want to cut it all off I hate my hair and you know, it's, now at this age it's like the first time I'm like oh I, I really like it like yeah. I love by the way it is it's a long time <laughs> well, well, it's an acceptation process but I'm agree I had the same feelings when I was young too just like hating my my kinky hair and yeah. and kind of you know it's just really unfortunate because it, you don't really you know those terms that we're aware of today hmm. they didn't exist then so there yeah. was this idea of you know um Uh, representation or visibility these weren't words it was in fact that it was the opposite it was expected for you to assimilate it was like you're here and you're not like the majority you better start making yourself like the majority and uh you know I think that there's a lot of power in that um Mm -hmm. as you grow up because now it's obviously very empowering and it's making people feel like they can finally express themselves Mm -hmm. which is like a beautiful thing to witness and to be a part of and also to see 
you know, I have nieces and nephews and stuff and seeing the way that they interact with their identity and the way that they look is completely different. And they're so Yeah. So now they're empowered a little better, no, don't you think? 100%. They're so Mm. happy. Like, Mm. you know, I have some of my nephews are like uh, half Jamaican, half Moroccan, half Ghanaian, half Moroccan. And they're so proud. And they're like, and all I see sit and think is like, damn, like society's really changed. And it's amazing to actually see that. Mm. It's super cool. It's super, super cool. Yeah, so it's 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 good it's good to see like yeah the next generation is just taking over, which is it's good. So uh, how has your self-image challenged during the transition to your adolescence to your adulthood? Oh, massively. I mean, it's funny because when you're young, all you want is to be older, yeah. and and you don't really know why. You just think that being older equals a better life. Yeah exciting uh, now I'm like no I would go back to my <laughs> like screw this I don't want adult life anymore it's boring um, but you know when you're young all you want is to to be considered to be more mature yeah. and older and smarter and all of these things and you know you don't actually understand that you when you're young you're actually navigating so much all yeah. the time and you're constantly like weighing up your concept of self you know it's always in a state of flux it's never ever ever something that you're you're comfortable with sorry my dog is going so crazy (laughs) okay um yeah and so i think you know when you're young you have this full sense uh, like a full sense of confidence where Mm -hmm. you think i felt badass even if i was like low-key insecure in some ways Mm -hmm. i wasn't conscious of it like you're not aware until you're older when you finally do start to accept yourself like truly accept yourself Mm -hmm. you're like oh, this is what that feels like. Like, Mm. I wasn't feeling that before, for sure. I wasn't, because you don't know the difference until you actually feel it. And, you know, until you're able to, in my instance, it was like, you know, going on a date with someone and like getting my hair wet and not being like, I need to leave. And then (laughs) running, (laughs) hiding and being like, you know, now it's like, oh, well, if it gets curly, that's who I am. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're going to appreciate that, then good. If you don't, then don't, you know, (laughs) (laughs) like not my problem. Keep it moving. Um, (laughs) But, you know, when you're young, you don't think like that, you know, getting praise from people and acceptance from people feels so important Um, in some capacity. Everyone wants it. The older I get, I just, the less I care and the less I care about what other people think. And I think that's so nice. It's so freeing. And it it feels like um, we're like missold a bit. You know, Mm -hmm. we're told that your youth is everything, but Mm -hmm. actually, I actually think aging is the best thing. It's so cool. Like I was like, wow, like this is what it feels like to like grow up and feel confident. Like it's Mm -hmm. different. Like, you know, it's really rewarding. So I think like a lot of women are so afraid of getting older and you're like, no, it gets so much better. And then I look at like older women. I I remember interviewing someone who was like 67 and this woman was like the first ever female pornographer. And she literally said to me that the sexiest she ever felt was in her sixties. And that's like after a whole life. She was like, I feel great. I'm like, I think that my most miserable period, but not miserable outwardly. Like I was very happy outwardly, but I think internally the time when I was like battling the most kind of misunderstanding of Mm. my self-image and my place in the world was definitely in my not even late teens because late teens I was having a good time you have fun 20s like my early 20s I was like lost and so confused and so Mm. like oh my god like you know you're you're just trying to like be yourself but like be different but be this and 
and and now I just feel like I don't even care. Like some days I wake up and I'm like, oh my skin looks good today. This is cool. Yeah. <laughs> like that's a good day. <laughs> like you have way less expectations, you know? It's like you just you appreciate things. Yeah, I get it. Describe a moment that you put your self-image into question or drastically changed it. Hmm. I think I think coming from growing up between two different cultures, that's kind of something that I've always had. I don't think I've ever not had to question my self-identity because uh, in England, you know, I know that my identity isn't British. Like I'm British by birth, but not British by ethnicity. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm a Muslim. So it's, you know, that's another thing that adds to your identity and your self-image. Yeah. So, you know, being when I'm here, it's quite easy for me to assimilate with a Western image. Yeah. Um, that's completely separate from my religion and my background and everything. But the minute I go home, mm -hmm. everything that I am here then is in question there. And oh. then it's like, why do you look like this? Like, <laughs> wait, so you're Moroccan, but you look, you look like you're English, but you're not English. And so you kind of grow up with this weird, you know, I have this self image where I don't really know where to place myself. Mm -hmm. And I think that there have been numerous times when I've been in Morocco where I've been like, okay, I don't really fully fit in here, but I also don't fully fit in in England. So I don't really understand <laughs> where I put myself and my identity yeah. um, because your ethnicity isn't your identity. But I think when it's less obvious, it kind of is because you can choose kind of, like I can kind of choose it, which is a luxury in itself. And it's a privilege to be able to, you know, blend in when you want. But at the same time, internally, you're always questioning your self image. Like, you know, when I'm uh, in Morocco, you know, you wear a headscarf and stuff, which I don't mind. That's fine. Yeah. I love my religion. I have no issue with that. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, if I'm doing that, I'm then like, Oh, but then why am I taking it off? You know, I have to question yeah. myself. Why? Like, what does it mean to wear yeah. this? You know, like, yeah. is this like for me or is it for other people or, you know, and this, the same can be said here. You know, people say to me all the time, you don't look like a Muslim. And I'm like, I don't even know what that means. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, how do I look? Prototype of, you know, stereotype of a Muslim and you're not stuck on it. So you mean, it's what, what do you mean? So they, then it makes me question it. And then I go, maybe I'm not. Like, am I not enough? Like, am I not doing it well enough? You know, so it's, it, there's a lot of these kind of complicated ideas that I'm always kind of juggling with. And then, you know, somewhere in between that is actually just who I am, which is actually just a mix of both cultures, which is totally fine. Yeah. And that's normal. Um, but it, like you said, it tends to be other people um, mm. will express that because it makes them uncertain of mm. their, their beliefs come into question when they meet people. Mm. That don't that's meet really interesting. Yeah. That makes sense. I don't know if that covered the right question. Yeah, no, no, no. It's, it's, um, I think, yeah, it's really, it's really good to, yeah, to have this point of view. And uh, yeah, definitely, like when people are uncertain and, and scared, they just like project them. Mm. Their, and it becomes more attacking, you know, mm. in my physical sense. Yeah. Your self-image is always something. Yeah. Question. I think if you're a woman, you're constantly forced to question your image. You know, I don't think we're ever safe from not having to do that. <laughs> It's never, it's never enough. In fact, it's never, it's all, there is always the way that, you know, like someone wants you, yeah, but you like this, but you like that. And so, and sometimes it's even like women's against women. So oh, um, the worst, yeah. the worst other. <laughs> like, you know, some of the meanest trolls that you'll see on the internet commenting yeah. on people are often women against women. Yeah. Um, but again, it's, you know, that's patriarchal thinking. It's things that have been handed to us by men, which is this mm -hmm. idea that, you know, 
you need to constantly be in competition with each other because you know oh a man might not want you but they might want that girl and the cool thing with getting older is you're just like I don't care (laughs) (laughs) see ya you weren't worth it anyway you know like but when you're young that competition that feeling it's very real and it's really scary and it's like it's very primitive it's like a survival instinct you yeah. know you feel like yeah. oh, yeah. the the competition to procreate i need to reproduce you know yeah it's like you want to fight for someone and i yeah. like now i'm just like i don't really care like mm-hmm. i don't really think many men are good enough to actually fight over <laughs> so i'm like oh, could no. we not like <laughs> you know, if they, if they want you great if yeah. they don't whatever it's fine i'm completely agree with you so sometimes we fight on you (laughs) we put too much emphasis on how we appear to other people or how they might think about us and how they perceive us and you know one of the things that i read recently that i found really helpful was this idea of like you can never control the way someone perceives you even the physical way that you look to someone is you know like we see ourselves in the mirror the mirror image i see of myself is not the same as the image you see of me and that's just like that's like a fact right so it's like if you add that your personality and everything else Mm -hmm. you literally have no idea how people perceive you and once you accept that you're like Mm -hmm kind of powerless about yeah, it yeah, exactly. that's true yeah when you understand the fact that anyway the way you look but that yeah the way you look is not the way like the way you think you look is not the way that people think you are at all and you can tell that by you know sometimes people will have a crush on someone for years and years and years and that person but why like why are they so obsessed with me or whatever mm-hmm. and it's because they don't see that about themselves exactly. and they don't understand that they mm-hmm. can be lovable and be beautiful to someone and i think that you know it can work in the reverse it's not always negative you know yeah, it's yeah. like we you know we always think it is and we always think oh everyone must think this really horrible thing but mm-hmm. like isn't it radical to think that like someone might think that you're amazing yeah. they might actually be like closet in love with you and like they might go home and be like, I want to be as charismatic as Sophie. I want to be as beautiful as Sophie. You know, this could be things they're thinking, mm-hmm. but your mind is saying like, oh, they, you know, they don't think good enough or whatever. That's You've got to kind of question it, put it in positive. Yeah. But I, I think it's like natural fact. but I think like knowing this is just bring you into a peace, peace or place, you know? It's just like, just feel like, okay, never mind. It's not, this is just a, uh, um, the relation with myself maybe is the most important things that I have to like trigger it with, but not like <laughs> if I start for the others, I will. Too let dangerous. It. It's mm. too dangerous to go down that wormhole, exactly. honestly. And like you know, there there are certain things that you know. All of this feeds into this idea of like trying to control things in life that like are essentially uncontrollable, and one of which is like the perception that other people have an opinion Mm -hmm. and the only thing you can really manage is your opinion and perception of yourself and that's something that you know you spend your teenage years being so upset about because you're trying so hard to make people see you and and love you and see you in a certain way and really it's like you learn that like actually none of it matters because they probably do think that you're great but you don't think you're great so you're sitting there and thinking about how people don't think you're great it's like you know it all comes from you exactly it's just how hard we can be with ourselves 
and you know we can destroy like destroy ourselves just because of the feelings that we are for others it's crazy 100 yeah so, so toxic it is yeah toxic is the word yeah it is toxic it's sad and it's hard you know that these these feelings are very real though when people feel them mm. and i think you know once you identify that you might be feeling like that mm. it's so much easier to deal with once you realize that you're creating it yourself you know because yeah. that's really it we, we feel very disempowered in those moments of like uncertainty or insecurity but it all comes from within you know yeah. it all feeds within so mm -hmm. there's so much that can be said for your own ability to you know recalibrate yeah, yeah just yeah, and love yourself yeah. it sounds cheesy but it's true yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like the worst advice that you've ever had because it sounds so basic you're like love yourself yeah thanks <laughs> but like it actually works like it works like you love yourself and things just get better you know and it's a really it's like an ongoing thing no i don't think anyone ever can just sit there and be like oh i love myself yeah. but we try yeah you know? no it's it's true it's true it's just a, a discipline and something then it's like it's not okay because it's not cultural but um yeah I think I think that can just helping for lots of other disease that you know like uh, sicknesses as like um, you know like connected with the self perceptions that we can have and stuff like that. I think that yeah, so very big difference. Yeah, yeah, it's a big work. So the following question is: How would you describe your relationship with the modern beauty culture? Mm. So obviously I work as a writer, so I do a lot of work within the beauty space. Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, I, I love the way that it's, it's transformed, you mm -hmm. know, um, growing up beauty was something that was really narrow and it mm -hmm. was very limited. And, and as we said, it, it really was a space where women of color didn't have any voice or say or pride in. It was something that, you know, you just had to do for maintenance. It was like, mm -hmm. you know, you have to go to a specialist place, you have to go do this thing. And now it's like, you can go and get your products from places that are beautiful, from people who care, from, you know, luxury brands, you know, there's just so much more that's in the space that's so inclusive. So that side I love, like, I love watching that. Um, you know, I spent my whole teenage years using pink cream and olive cream yeah. on my hair. And then, <laughs> so I'm like, it's so nice. Now you can go to a shop and there's like, 2000 different options you can get like shea moisture there's all this stuff so i love that um even growing up i had eczema so i had really bad not bad skin on my face but i had like quite bad eczema on my arms and stuff and um i had hypersensitive skin and i couldn't use basically anything so i used to use a lot of um, natural products from morocco like stuff that my mum used to use in the mountains so um, we, it was like the rawest level of beauty possible. So we would use, uh, only argan oil, Russell clay, um, orange blossom oil, rose oil, you know, rose water. That's it. So you do that on your face, on your hair, everything body. Um, so I could only use stuff like that, that had no preservatives, no other ingredients or yeah. anything. I had to use completely natural stuff. Um, and now it's cool because if you go into a shop, there's so many natural products now. It, there's so much variety. Yeah. And even just the general attitude towards beauty, it's, it's so much more wide and accepting. And I think that, like I said, for really young people now, like teenagers, they're not walking around with like, 
you know, bad blue eyeshadow yeah. and like using that apricot face scrub and stuff. <laughs> you know, they're using like, they, they have an understanding. Yeah. It's more like, um, the level of the, yeah, of the, of the product have changed drastically. And, and knowledge. Yeah. Like I do your face massages every yeah. evening right and like that alone has changed my skin like you know just you're always learning that's why i love social media it's like you can always learn stuff and i'm a really big fan of tiktok which by the way you should get on because that your videos will do very well on that i know i know I, you know i just i'm not like I, I i don't know why i'm not i don't feel i'm i think i'm bad on tiktok I no no your videos would be so good because yeah. all of your tutorials like that's all it is on there and it's like you know you could do it in 60 seconds and people yeah. go crazy for it because i watch so many tiktok videos uh beauty ones yeah and it makes such a difference because it's like teaching you how to do things in 60 seconds now yeah. when i was a teenager they, you know we had youtube obviously yeah. um, but you didn't have beauty tutorials or anything no, and i would have loved that not that much like beauty, beauty uh, videos or stuff. It was like more like You did it still from magazines. I still used to get it from reading uh, magazines and stuff. Yeah. And now it's like, you know, you can constantly learn about mm. new products, new methods and everything yeah. every day. And um, I, I just think that beauty is so exciting now. Like it's really fun and it's really yeah. playful, you know? Mm. No, I Especially during lockdown. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'm like, oh my god, I got all the time in the world. I had my gauge roller this morning, just sitting here, like reading my emails. I'm like, I can do everything. I have time to do everything now. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Like, I think the the good things of the lockdown. So we just we put ourselves in the middle of the, you know, like uh, the main things to do during the the, the day. You know, like uh, okay, so I I have time. I can do my routine. I can do <laughs> myself. Uh, doing mask so i know that lots of, uh, of friends of mine they just say before i didn't do mask but now i do face mask. now they are yeah so i would that's I would so like, good <laughs> and you're like yes finally you're like everyone tune into my tutorials because honestly the the massaging makes yeah. such a difference like oh, i'm sure you. <laughs> honestly, it really does like i got so into doing it. i mean i was like in the bathroom really going yeah. in you know like doing all of the <laughs> this one the pinching yeah. i love this and <laughs> it makes such a difference but the problem is now my routine has gone from like this big to like this yeah. big and so <laughs> off lockdown i got a lot of pressure to maintain it <laughs> You got to keep this up now. It's not something you can just stop. Mm -hmm. I, I completely understand. So that's like that's bring us to the the other question, which is: uh, Can you describe a day that you will have like a rendezvous at the end? That any ritual that you do to feel like empowered and beautiful. So any anything it doesn't have yeah. to be beauty. Okay, anything. anything. No, not just beauty. Everything any, that you anything. do. Anything. Okay. Well, okay. So one of my favorite things is to be by nature yeah. um, as everyone knows from my Instagram. So all I do is sit on the beach. Uh, <laughs> I live in London at the moment, so it's quite difficult, but I grew up on the coast on the beach. So my happiest days are usually spent waking up. I go play tennis in the morning. Yeah. I eat really healthy. I take mm. all my vitamins. I drink my juice. Okay. I go play tennis for like two hours. Okay. And then I walk along the beach, like six miles back to my mm. house. Mm -hmm. I go home, I have a great lunch. I sit in the sand dunes. Mm -hmm. I listen to some music, my headphones, my dog, yeah. and I vibe out for like an hour or two. Right. That's my day. And then I go home and I'll see my mum, who's my best friend, yeah. and we'll hang out and we might make couscous or like a tagine or something, oh. make nice food. <laughs> and then we might watch trash TV. I'll watch like the Simpsons. <laughs> 
and like that's my best day i mean obviously we're in lockdown so it's quite limited otherwise it would be a little bit more exciting maybe but it's for me being in nature being around family mm-hmm. that's like my happiest place being by the ocean is my happiest place yeah fresh air fruit mm. vegetables you know it's like um in morocco that's like the lifestyle you know all yeah. you do eat fresh food eat great vegetables <coughs> eat, eat off the <coughs> land i'm sorry my dog you know you you live off the land and yeah. your day gravitates around um these processes which it all includes your community includes yeah. your family your close friends um that's definitely when I feel my best. I think, yeah, yeah just being in tune with your, yourself and the people who make you happy yeah. and spaces. Like I love yeah, space seeing yeah. open spaces. Okay. Nature is the best. It's the best cure for everything. Okay, cool. Interesting. So who are your beauty role model? Ooh, beauty role models. I'd say my mom for yeah. sure. Um, because growing up, um, you know, in where where my mom's from in the mountains in Morocco you know you don't have products you don't have like these that you don't have pre-made products doesn't exist um so everything was made from the land so when we were growing up everything that I learned about skin or about beauty came from her and everything came from nature so even growing up here my mom still applied the same methodology yeah so we would have like for example like i said rasool clay as a exfoliator yeah. um broad beans crushed up and dried and using that as a face mask and things like this yeah. and watching her get ready you know mm-hmm. was such a process because when you're young you don't really understand that all of this uh, has like really deep cultural significance as yeah. well you just think that it's like a thing that your mum's doing, right? Yeah. Um, you know, whether or not it was like uh, the orange blossom that she would put on her skin or rose water as a toner, um, Rasool clay as a hair mask, using coal around the eyes, which is all natural yeah. as well. Um, mm. You know, there was like blusher that's made from red pigment that comes out of the ground in Morocco. So mm. all of these little things and all these textures and smells, um, they really stay with me. And I think that now even as an adult, I try so hard to reach that same level of like natural beauty that my mom has, which is this idea of like really returning to nature and using nature and, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of coinciding with it and having a harmony between that. And instead of using lots of chemicals and lots of products that are so heavy and, you know, nothing wrong with chemical products if people like them. But Mm -hmm. for me, that's a role model because it's beauty in a way that's not loud and it's not it's not ostentatious it, it's so relaxed and it's so calm and it's very me like it's something that's just very like feels very organic mm. and I think that's something that I aspire to do is to yeah. be like that is you know to to always look to nature for the for the cure yeah. you know to always look to the land that's you know you love that that's your whole yeah, thing kind of my philosophy <laughs> and that's true that I do my product but I I like I have this inspiration because I so and I have friends from, from Morocco. I have friends from all over the world. All of those women who have like created those kind of products and rituals to Incredible. just taking care of themselves. And they just are such a beautiful. And, you know, like they, they, they don't have like, they aging like really well and stuff. And just because they use the, you know, like the pure oil, there's like everything fascinating. And, and also there's such a... Um there's such a community and cultural aspect to beauty when you go to other cultures, you know, and I love that. Like, you know, in Morocco, we go to the hammam together. So you'd go 
I go with my nieces and my cousins and stuff. And mm. it's such a vibe, you know, like everyone's like, like scrubbing and it's, it's a real community thing. And that's like where you got to catch up. You have tea afterwards, hang mm. out. Um, it was actually in England where I was like, oh damn, like people that are, it's like a private thing that yes. you do for yourself. Yes. And they're a community thing. You do it to mm -hmm. hang out. Like you do, and, and it's the same. They do your hair to hang out. You do each yeah, other's yeah. hair to hang out. It's, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a hangout thing. It's a, not like, a, I, I will say, for example, in England uh, or in France, then the good thing is because there is a lot of Mediterranean people. Yes. So then now the culture have changed. But I will say that like the, the pure uh, Occidental way, it was like, not, like, you know, you have to, you, you, if you go to the heaven, it's like something that you don't want to share. It's like you have to cover your body. You have to, and yeah. then, you know, like they don't really um, kind of um, see the real um, message, you know, of the yeah, yeah. The in fact, they do the way of taking care of yourself, of like clean, clean, cleans up, but although interact with someone, um, and although like um, ac like I think it's was although to accepting your body. Uh, too you know like totally uh, i mean maybe i'm wrong maybe my first self-image was going to the hammam because i was terrified <laughs> oh my god i walked in and was like mom why are we here i was like freaking out i remember just being like oh my god there's so many naked women that i can't handle this <laughs> i was really young and i was like i've never seen this many naked women before <laughs> my mom was like it's normal i was like oh my god i couldn't concentrate because it was just like legs hair yeah. stuff everywhere I was like, this is just so overwhelming yeah. and and it's like now i see the beauty in it and i'm like oh it's so lovely and yeah. it's such a beauty. Like, when you're young you don't get you're it here, and you're raised in england mm. someone that's so repressive yeah. when new is so hidden yeah. and you know co community is so like cold people aren't they're not like warm no, it's like no, no. add all of those aspects into it i acted like an english person i was like oh my god like why are they doing this <laughs> are they and then now i go there i'm like chilling you know yeah. like scrubbing, scrubbing people it's like it's such a vibe once you get yeah. into it but i think i can understand people freak <laughs> out the first it's shot. <laughs> the cultural difference. It's yeah. just the cultural difference because it's just the opposite. You mm -hmm. know, people here, you hang out with people, and the the last thing you want to do is be naked in front of anyone. Yeah. Like that's yeah. it. But you just you meet so you're like you're really nice, but like mm -hmm. I definitely don't ever want to be naked in front of you, even if yeah. you're like my best friend. <laughs> like this, you know, you've got to cover, and it's like everyone's ashamed. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I think that's a big moment for women is to realize that like those things can be really like, it can be like really healing as well yeah. is mm. to start feeling safe in those kind of environments. Oh, uh, how do you feel about plastic surgery and aesthetic adjustment? Um, okay, so my thoughts on it are if someone has something they're not comfortable with, Mm -hmm. they're in their rights to do whatever the hell they want with their body. Same way I feel about headscarves. Yeah. I'd like make you happy, do it. Great. Um, yeah, I have no issue with it. I think the only thing that people have to be mindful of on social media, I think, is for young people. Yeah. Like, when I say young people, I mean, like, people that are, like, 12, 13, yeah, that yeah. don't know yeah. their self-image. You know, they're still in that state of, like, not really understanding and not really understanding if they even like themselves at that point. Mm -hmm. I think if the only images they're seeing online are of people that have had loads of plastic surgery mm -hmm. and have been face-tuned and photoshopped, 
mm-hmm. I think it's incredibly dangerous because what it does is, you know, when I was younger and I was like 11, 12, it was really, you know, beauty standards were set by magazines, right? And magazines were just models. That's it. Um, and music, you know, you watch like yeah. music videos or whatever. Now it's like you're watching, you're getting your children are getting their beauty standards from not only people that they normally wouldn't see in their community. So it's like when you're on Instagram, you're seeing people that you would never normally encounter, right? So let's say you live in a really small town somewhere in the middle of nowhere, in another country, wherever, say Morocco, mm-hmm. which use that as an example, you wouldn't necessarily normally know what someone like, I don't know, Bella Hadid looks like. Yeah. Just use that as an example. So That's- your idea of beauty standards would have only been your community. It would have been the girl that you thought was attractive in your community, right? Mm-hmm. That you would go, oh, I want to look like her. She's cool or mm-hmm. whatever. Um. For me, it was always cooler people. Like I loved like the older girl in my group of friends. I'd be like, wow, I love her style. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. that was like where I got my beauty standards from was the way someone dressed or the way they walked into a room or, you know, oh, they knew about this album before I did. That's cool. That was what was cool. Now what's cool is really to like compare yourself to people that you would never encounter. So like, why would some 12 year old feel pressure to look like a 20 year old supermodel it doesn't even make sense like that they they don't even know um and the plastic surgery the face filters the photoshop Mm -hmm. all of these things it creates avatars out of people Mm -hmm. that are so unrealistic that it's beyond you know like it's beyond even looking in a magazine and going oh i wish i could look like that it's like looking at someone who doesn't even look like that yeah yeah Yeah. and that that's the thing that's the bit where i get not even annoyed about but just like a bit confused about it because i'm like okay Mm. that's that can be really damaging like the kids damaging yeah it's like i saw a picture of one person who was famous and um like she was posing with a bikini and she literally photoshopped it and it wasn't like humanly it's not the pro- the right proportion. So you can when the proportions that. are <laughs> off. I was like, this is so strange. And I was with um with my friend, and she have two daughters. They have uh, nineteen and twenty two. And I saw the picture. And I say like, is it shocking? Just me? Like, am I, am I just just single person who are shocking about this picture? And she was watching, and she said, but what's wrong? And I say, but look at her legs, the size of the legs, the hip, and everything. It's not humanly possible. So it's not. You're like this isn't yeah. this isn't like, no one looks yeah. like this yeah and then they was like oh my god it's true i didn't realize so i just feel like god like you know so it's really i think we have to- we, we overestimate people's ability to see through it they can't most and when you're young you can't you think you believe everything you see yeah, and it's scary like i was thinking about the other day like god if i was like 12 now or something and I was like having to look at all these images, it would make you feel like crap. Like yeah. you'd just be like, oh, I hate my nose because I don't yeah. have like this tiny little nose. I hate this, I hate this. And I'm like, I love that like my like beauty icons, the people I look to were just like cool girls in music yeah. videos. Like I would watch like a music video and be like, oh, I love her style. Like she looks sick. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> I wasn't having to look at some like photoshopped, elongated Barbie doll. Yeah. And go, why don't I look like this? Cause like, why would you, they don't look like that. It's yeah. crazy. It's really, it's really insane, but it's interest. It's interesting, but I think, now the good side of the social media is although we have access to those kind of uh, you know then then um, 
you see people who just not not taking piece of it because it's not, it's not but just explain you know like this is not a real picture you know so this is exactly not and I think, yeah, there's a lot of these now where people are doing these like um, poses, you know, where they yes. say like, this is me breathing in, yes. this is me breathing exactly. out. I like and I think that. like yeah. that are important because it grounds it, right? Like it makes you feel like, okay, we're yeah. all human. If I do yeah. this and if I do that and if I do that, that you're like, But you know what my question is at that point, you're like, then why do the, the first one in the first place? Like, I d that's why I, I don't know. I have a love-hate relationship with it because I just think that it, there's plastic surgeries here Photoshop is there, yeah. fine individually in small amounts. When you put them together and people do it too much, you're like, you may as well just create a Sims character because that's what you're doing. Like <laughs> you're making someone that doesn't exist. And it's, it's not so much for how other people are going to think, like people your own age. But I think people have a responsibility, especially if they have like big platforms, yes. just to be aware that like young people are looking at that. Yeah. And it can really set their beauty standards for the rest of their lives. They have eating disorders. And, you know, now there's this thing where people have uh, Snapchat dysmorphia, where mm -hmm. they, they genuinely go on, when they, after they put a filter yeah, on their yeah, face yeah, on Instagram, they so they it, lifts, and it lifts. And this guy, I interviewed Dr. Miami, you know, like the really big plastic surgeon mm -hmm. who does like, he does everyone. He's so cool. He does like mm -hmm. every single video vixen, like you name it. Okay. And he's super cool. He has like 10 million followers, like huge. And he was like the original Snapchat plastic surgeon. So mm -hmm. he used to do like BBLs and stuff on mm -hmm. Snapchat. Like he's, he's a bit out there though as a character. And basically he, uh, I asked him about it. I interviewed him about it before and I said, you know, what are your thoughts on how Instagram is affecting, you know, like people's uh, beauty standards. And he literally was like, Oh, actually um, I have loads of people that come in under 16 mm -hmm. with their parents demanding to have their face look like the picture of them with a filter on. And he was like, he said he obviously can't do surgery on someone yes. who's 16. Yeah. So the parents like, please, like, please, please, please. Can you do it? And he's like, no, like it's yeah. illegal. Secondly, the people who come that are over 16, mm -hmm. he said when they come in, what they do is they show um, the picture yeah. and he said to one of them, okay, this filter literally moves your eyes to be further apart. That's impossible, even in surgery. Like I can't do this. And you know what they said? How much does it cost me to pay you to move them? Like, it's just crazy. And he's like, people are coming in wanting their faces moved apart. You know, to look like these filters. They end like they, yeah, they don't understand like although the beauty of the of the things of our body because yeah, you can do aesthetic adjustment and you know for feeling good. But yeah. when you do those kind of things, it's like like you like um, physically and morph like the morphology of your of your bones and stuff. You cannot you know you have like boundaries you cannot go as far as that your body can allow you to do that's it's reading it like that is so scary all i kept thinking when i was looking at this was like oh my god like talking to someone like him i just kept thinking this is way worse than even i thought because i underestimate it i'm not that engaged with it in that way yeah. but i do think the problem is with um plastic surgery, filters, Photoshop, all of this stuff, is that all it's doing is taking you further away from yourself. And ultimately that is going to screw up your self-image. Like yeah. that's it. Like the further you are from you, 
the less in tune you are. And I think it's okay. Like when people keep elements, of their personality. So like, say they're like, Oh, my cheeks are all down here. I want to get cheek fillers. Fair. You're just adding things where you've lost it. Not mm-hmm. a big deal. Yeah, exactly. Moving your eyes yeah. to be closer together I, or further apart. Oh, that I'm shocked. And all the like, when the doctors told you, no, <laughs> but I know you know, they said, no, <laughs> If I pay for your home, then no, no, I say no. <laughs> like, no way. You're like asking to have things done that are like it's physically impossible and dangerous. And I think that's like, you know, that's ultimately what it comes down to is like how dangerous is it for you and how dangerous is it for the wider community and for young people if you yeah. have a platform, you know, it's like you probably shouldn't be doing that stuff. <laughs> it's it's yeah, it's a big deal. I I hope like by you know, because it's, I will say, it's kind of new. And I hope by the time people really realize just, uh, no, <laughs> don't do that. Just uh, <laughs> do you have any com- any complex or specific? Do I have any complexes? Um, I think, okay, when I was uh, much younger, mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's, when I say complex, I, it's not even really a complex, but I was never really aware of it, mm-hmm. um, was the fact that like, as I like I said my hair was like one thing that I never used to be able to know how to deal with because it was purely because also I I didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't have the knowledge and product and stuff processes and you know I'm still a victim like I'm still I still get my hair Brazilian blow-dried I still get straightening done I'm still working through those issues. <laughs> it's still not rectified because I still wasn't brave enough to come with my natural hair, you know? So like, that's one sign. Mm-hmm. One. Okay. Um, mm, mm, not really. Honestly, I don't really have any personal yeah. like beauty complexes. One thing that I've actually grown to really love that I never hated, I never hated it, but now I'm like, I kind of like it because I realized that actually I do have an Arab nose, like, or or like a North African nose. We're not Arab. We're Amazon. I I love it. You have like a, like, it's like, like yeah, I love it. But you know, when I was younger, it was like, you know, because it's downward and it's it's Mm -hmm. definitely not like anyone else's. And I used to have this big, you know, like this hump. Yeah. And like when I was younger, Mm -hmm. I was like, oh God, like, why do I not have it? You know, these little pixie noses. Yeah, but it's and it will if you have it, it will look. I would look so weird. (laughs) And the funny thing is, like, I never hated it because, like, I actually, I the cool thing is, I'm actually okay with how I look. I'm good, but I looked at the the bump recently because you know your nose keeps growing, right? Like your whole life, it never stops. And I, (laughs) I said to my mom, my nose is starting to look more like my dad's every day. And like, this is a problem. We don't need this. Like, I don't want to have to get like a nose job. And we were laughing because I'm joking. I would never. But I realized my side profile is, mm-hmm. is showing more of my ethnicity as I get older. And it's starting to show itself. And I like it a lot. And I looked at it and was like, I would never get a nose job because you know why? This is thousands of years of ancestry that I'm proud of. And it's cool. And it's different. Mm-hmm. And I think it's great. And I'm going to keep it up. So that's just one thing that I've grown to, you know, that's nice. Oh, yeah. Really? I don't really have, I don't have I don't really have any hangups because I think my hangups are other things other than physical problems. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. you know like I don't really have like physical hangups because I think I have quite a kind of what's the word? I think growing up in an environment where 
um, the way you look isn't really measured. Like it's not really a thing. Like mm-hmm. it's more about your community and how you treat each other. Yeah. Um, we're really taught, you know, uh, especially uh, in Islam is to like support people and help other people and be generous and kind and give charity yeah. and do all of these things. It's an inherently unsuperficial religion and it's completely based not off of how you look. Yeah. And you know, like when you die, you don't get a coffin. You're just putting a sheet and put in the ground. So yeah. you're always constantly reminded that you're all the same. And I think that has had a significant, stop it. Sorry, my dog. <laughs> I think that's had a significant impact on my, the way in which I view my self-image, the way I view my insecurities and all of yeah. these things, because ultimately I'm always remembering like, well, we're all going to die and we're all the same. So you, once you get to that, you're like, it doesn't really matter if you've got a weird nose or weird eyes or bad skin. It's whatever. It's mm-hmm. literally whatever. And like, once you accept that, it's kind of okay. Like now I'm kind of okay with it. Mm, that's great. It took a long time. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you're still young. So um, yeah. I think you save much more time than all the people. So, but I think, like I said, it's really about community. Like I grew up in a really diverse community in terms of not necessarily the area I lived in, but the people we're around, like my own mm-hmm. family, like we have such a diverse family that it's like, you know, our beauty standards are so varied that yeah. I loved it. I was always aware of like people, different, different skin colors, different hair textures, different this, different this. You know, I have like some of my uh, family are like now mixed with English for the first time. They're the first people in our family <laughs> to be half English. And oh. some of them have like quite straight hair. And I was yeah. like, wow, this is interesting. You yeah. got blue eyes. That's mm-hmm. cool. You know, <laughs> I think learning about all these different things and, you know, just seeing a variety of looks is, yeah. it makes you, less judgmental about yourself yeah i think yeah exactly oh it's it's great it's so great it's yeah. hard though you know that it's hard like it's it's really hard to mm. nurture yourself and learn to love yourself in the right way and i yeah. think that especially now with the pandemic it's like just don't be a bigger bully to yourself than you need to be i think yeah, that's like yeah. the best thing that's all we need like be kind with ourselves because like yeah it's a it's a you know bad moment of the of the earth so we all, you know, in this place somewhere that we don't feel like we don't feel okay. And sometimes, um, sometimes we just feel like, oh, but you know, I'm privileged. So I have to stop complaining and stuff. So, but just, yeah. one, just, yeah. <laughs> just be fine with it. Like if you're not in a good way, you're not in a good way. If you feel great yeah. today, you feel great. Like, like I just think just be like you said, exactly that being kind. I think being kind is so important. Just like, be treating yourself like your best friend, I think is a really great piece of advice that a therapist gave me when I was like 19. She was like, you know, would you let your best friend talk to you the way that your internal voice talks to you? And you probably wouldn't, you know? So it's good tips. (laughs) Yeah. I know therapy, therapy 101. We love therapists. (laughs) Great. Um, Could you um, describe an embarrassing faux pas that you made to attempt to defend yourself? As a oh my god hang on wait wait an embarrassing faux pas that yeah. i did to defend myself yeah <laughs> okay but well, i think makeup is like the big one because i think and not necessarily now but when i was really young i remember my first school disco i went to um and we had to you know get ready i was at yeah. ready at my friend's house and my two girlfriends were like really pretty blonde blue-eyed girls yeah. and they'd be like oh we'll do your makeup and i was like thanks like i'm really excited and he did it and he put white eyeshadow oh all the way up to here with the 
blue glitter here. And bear in mind, I had like red, redder than this, orange hair when I was a baby. Red hair, like big curly red hair with this clown makeup. Yeah. Blue eyeshadow out here. And I remember at the time feeling really badass. Like I was like, yeah, I got my makeup done. I'm going to the disco. Everyone's going to look at me. I had like this sequin top on as well, which I would yeah. never wear. It was like a halt neck sequin thing. Yeah. And I like, rock up to the disco thinking like yeah i'm looking I'm so cool. bad like <laughs> no i'm like oh my god i'm so embarrassed yeah. <laughs> and the worst thing is i forgot about it until like not even that long ago and someone in my family found the pictures <laughs> they were like oh my god who let you go out like this and i was so embarrassed i was like i thought that night i really thought i was the shit i was like i have got this down like this is such a vibe and the funny thing is since then I have never touched an eyeshadow that is lighter than brown. This is the only color I will use because I'm so put off. I was like, I will never do it. Blue, <laughs> get the hell away from me. Never. <laughs> never. Uh, but the, the most important thing is like when you was there, you just feel like I'm beautiful. Oh, I was in my element. I <laughs> thought I really nailed it. I was like, yeah, I got my makeup <laughs> everything's great this disco is going to be great all the boys are going to look at my eye makeup they're going to be like wow really they were probably like holy shit what happened what happened to this girl i get it i completely we love a faux pas though yeah yeah i mean like it's like you know it's we build up through the faux pas i mean like i have so much so many things that I, do, I shouldn't do but I did it already and I, <laughs> I still sometimes I just feel like mm, no you shouldn't or you know like but I don't care I try oh but, no it's part of the process part of learning exactly so um the last question is how has your family affect your self-image um how's my family affect my self-image I think Again, I always say it because the majority of my family aren't in England, right? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of hard for me to say things about my English family. But my sisters, when I was growing up, had a really big impact because they taught me everything I know. I'm the youngest out of like seven, eight, okay. eight children, so, uh, which are all girls, bar one. So, um, so basically growing up, you know, they would hand me down a lot of their information. So it would be even things like beauty products, clothing. You know, my sister, I remember like stealing her Gucci bamboo bag when I was like <laughs> really young, like way too young to even know really what it was. But I was like, this is cool. And yeah, I was like I running around with it. <laughs> you know, like just being silly, stuff like that, I think really affected me because I noticed my sisters all had really great style and they were like, you know, they had like really individual style that was very specific to them and their little scenes that they were in. Mm -hmm. And I really loved, you know, being aware of like the way that they express themselves to the world. Mm -hmm. And I was very conscious that I was like, wow, okay. And they would, you know, lend me stuff when I was young or whatever, reluctantly. Um, and I think my, that's from my sisters. So my sisters were raised here. So that was like kind of easy for me to, get things from I yeah. think when I go home to Morocco and I see my family there then yeah. it's completely different because over there beauty standards are different you mm. know and I think that the way that impacts my self-esteem and my self-image mm. is massively different because it's you know I went to a wedding there not that long ago of like a cousin mm. and I was thinking oh it's so chill that like I can just turn up in like my pool slides yeah. and 
it was really hot. It was like 42 degrees or something. I just took a jaleba, like a dress, you know, a Moroccan dress. I just took that and my pool slides and I was like, that'll do. Like, it's going to be chill. It's like, it's, it's like, and it was like done in like near the desert. So I was like, oh, it'll be really relaxed or whatever. I turn up everyone's dressed up they've got (laughs) and i'm not joking they had makeup artists out there they had heels like still i was like big people were glammed up they had like crystals and stuff and i like turned up and was like oh my (laughs) oh god i really misread this situation Mm -hmm. and i went from feeling like oh i'm coming from london so i don't want to be too fashiony too formal i wanted to be really relaxed and actually for them their expression is to show off and I completely misread it. Mm-hmm. And they actually took me into a room, like some of my cousins, and they were like, you're not wearing any makeup. Like you can't <laughs> come here with nothing on your face. And I was like, oh, but I do natural now. I was I don't do makeup. And they were like, no, we don't. <laughs> they sat me down and they started contouring my face. They were like doing my eyebrows. I mean, it was crazy. Like it was yeah. a look on me that I was <laughs> And they even went out and got me like a fancier jaleba. They got mm-hmm. me shoes, they got all this stuff. As if like, and I felt really bad because yeah. they thought I was coming from London, she's gonna bring her wardrobe from here. And actually yeah, I yeah. was like, no, it's so <laughs> mellow. And then like my mum was like, you really offended them. Like oh. you turned up basically acting like, I don't care about this wedding. I'm not gonna make an effort. No, I, like, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I thought it was a relaxed thing. I thought everyone was chilling. So all that taught me was that like, wow, beauty standards are different, but they're not that different. It's mm-hmm. not that different. Like people, you know, universally care about how they look. And that impacted me. I was like, I really thought about it afterwards. I was like, okay, future reference, like always make an effort. It doesn't matter if you feel like you're going somewhere where people might not share the same like style or taste as yeah. you. It's like a sign of like formality as well, like okay. respect and yeah, I get it. it. Sorry, I don't know if I went off on a tangent. No, 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 no. It's perfect. I, I, it's really interesting to see, like you know, but you always you try to you know kind of um, suit everywhere, like be able to go everywhere and do your best. But sometimes it doesn't it just happen that you know you miss some like a little point that you it's know. Yeah, it's like all I kept thinking is like, damn, I underestimated these girls. Like they, they came out there with ten different brushes and all kinds of stuff, and I was like, oh god, they think I'm a lost cause. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of was. (laughs) I mean, like if it 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 was hot. It was forty-two degrees. I was like, literally in the desert. I'm like, (laughs) I mean, I literally thought everyone was just gonna be hanging out, laying on the sand. I was like, it can't be that serious. And I got there and was like, oh, it's serious. There were like horses and all kinds of stuff. I was like, okay, all right, I really messed up. (laughs) I really messed up. (laughs) Not for the next one. No, next time I'm coming, guns blazing. (laughs) I'm I'm gonna make up for that. I really, really screwed that one though. So thank you, Samira, for saying this. You're welcome. I, it was so nice to chat to you. It's so nice to catch up properly. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And thank you so much for having me. No, no, it's like, it's a real pleasure. And thank you and see you soon. Big kiss. Okay. Bye, so- That was the Inner Skin Podcast of Samira Larussi. Thanks for listening.